This morning in our morning sermon, we spoke of several different things that Satan tries to tempt Christians with. He tries to tempt them to fear on a regular basis. We also looked at how our Heavenly Father says we don't need to fear those things that Satan tries to tempt us to fear. We discussed in this morning's lesson how we do not need to fear any earthly thing as long as we walk with our heavenly sibling. I want to talk tonight about one of the worst fears that we as human beings have and how the Lord Jesus Christ came to absolutely annihilate that fear. As we grow older, and as our hair gets grayer or falls out, as our health begins to go downhill, and those we love have gone on before us, we may fear being alone, being forsaken, we may fear those things or that the Lord's promise to us of eternal life will somehow fail or falter. But the fact is that we need not fear any of those things either. Even for a moment, as our all-powerful and all-loving God has sought to repeatedly remind us. He says, listen to me, O house of Jacob. And the reason I don't give you the reference is because I want you to just sit and listen. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and deliver you. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? Isaiah chapter 46, verses 3 through 5. God says, I've carried you. And even when you're old and gray-haired, I'm still going to carry you. He says, who would you compare me to? I'm not like somebody else. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I have carried you and I will continue to carry you even to your old age and to your gray hair. Our God is like and unlike any other being in the entire universe when it comes to both his love for and his loyalty to his faithful children. He is loving and loyal from our birth into the family, this new birth that we experience in Christ. He is loving and loyal to his children from birth to death and beyond and everything in between. For example, in Deuteronomy 31, 1 through 8, a 120-year-old Moses who was about to die himself told his people, he said, listen, be strong and of good courage. Don't fear, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed because the Lord your God is not going to leave you nor forsake you. Suppose Moses knew something about that. Here's a man in his old age who said, you don't have to worry. God's not going to leave you. God's not going to forsake you. He's about to die himself. He knows this. 
The writer of Psalm 71, if you'll turn there, he knew it. He knew that God was faithful and loyal to the end and beyond the end. Look with me in Psalm 71, beginning in verse 17. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me, until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You have done great things. O God, who is like you? You have shown me, you who have shown me, great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Here he is, he admits that he is old and gray-headed in verse 18. And then he goes on and he says, God, you know, don't forsake me. But he knew God wouldn't. He answers his own thought here. He knows God wouldn't forsake him because he says, God, you've done great things. Yes, there's been great and severe troubles, but I know you'll revive me again. Increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Here was a man who knew God. And he knew God wasn't going to leave him in his old age. David knew it too. Turn to me to Psalm 34. David knew the faithfulness of God from beginning to end and beyond and everything in between. In Psalm 34, David, a few selected excerpts from David, beginning at verse 6. Look at how he expresses God's faithfulness. He says, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Now, I know that doesn't mention the age. We'll get to that. But the fact is, is that David knew that God was always there. Look at verse 15. In verse 15 of that same Psalm 34. David says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. That doesn't have an expiration date on it. That is forever. Verses 17 through 19, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. There's no age limit on that. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, the same David that wrote that wrote Psalm 37. And a few selected excerpts from Psalm 37, if we might. Psalm 37. Look at verses 18 and 19. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. 
I have been young, David says, and now I am old. But think about what he just said. He said, steps of a good man ordered by the Lord. The Lord upholds him. Now he says, he tells you about his age. He says, I have been young. Now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. David said, I've, I've lived a long time. And I've never seen God forsake his righteous. And part of that, I have to believe, in my heart anyway, is David as an old man thinking of himself. God's not left him. God's not forsaken him in his old age either. Look what he says in verse 28. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. We don't have to worry as time goes by and we get older that somehow the Lord's promise will be broken to us. We don't have to fear passing from this earth to the next phase of life. Too many older saints have watched them and have listened to them. And too many times it occurs to me you've got this wonderful, faithful Christian both males and females, and sometimes when they get right, right up near the end, they're wondering, they're fearing. We had a, an older gentleman, the last congregation I was in, read our newspaper article, comes knocking on the door. I think it was one Tuesday afternoon. He was deaf as they come. If you've seen deaf, you, you don't know deaf till you've met this man. I mean, he was like 100% in one ear, 95 in the other. He couldn't hear me. We would sit across a table a church table, Bible studying. And he'd be down on the table watching his lips and I would be louder than I am now. I had one man say, I could hear you when I came in the fellowship hall. And the office was down the other end. But Robert would go, but you know what? He came to the door and he knocked on church building door one Tuesday afternoon. He said, I've read some of the newspaper articles. I got a lot of Bible questions. He says, could you help me? And I said, sure, sure. <laughs> And so we talked. Robert, some months later, 88 years old, was baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of his sins. 88 years old. Come to see the truth of God's word, and he was with us, and I'll, I'll never forget the, the congregation put in this sound system. And it was one of those that is super, super, you put over your ears and, and all of this. And I remember Robert said, that morning when I went to get up front, he says, can I make a, an announcement before church? And what he wanted everybody to know was, was that for the first time in decades, he'd been able to hear the singing clearly and know what was being heard, being said. Robert was a joy. But I also remember Robert as his days drew to a close and he was in a wheelchair one day and I believe it might have been, I don't know if it was a nursing home or the hospital, but we got to talking and, and he had some serious questions and he was beginning to fear. Folks, God wants us to know that his promise is true. He doesn't want us to fear death. The God who does not forget one single solitary cup of water given in his name certainly will not forget or overlook or throw away a lifetime 
of love and loyalty and devotion and dedication and worship and adoration and service and sacrifice given to him. The God who will not overlook a cup of water is not going to forget those people who have given him their life. He's not going to forget them. Hebrews 6, 9 through 12. God wants all of us to know that. And he wants us not to fear as our time draws near to go home to him in heaven. Daniel knew this too because God made it clear to Daniel. God wanted Daniel to know some things. Because of Daniel's love and devotion for God, God wanted Daniel to know some things and be certain, just like God wants you to know some things and be certain. That's the reason for this lesson tonight and why we're taking it right out of Scripture. God wants you to know, too. He doesn't forget you're sincerely seeking him and wanting to be with him. He's not just going to toss that away. That's not how God operates. Look with me in Daniel chapter 7, uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 7. Please open to that passage. God does not forget the love and service and seeking that's rendered to him. Daniel chapter 10, if you would, please. And I know that, you know, we use Daniel for the prophetic visions and stuff, but tonight I want you to just watch the love and compassion of God, how God honors Daniel and wants Daniel to know because Daniel has been so sincere in seeking him. Daniel Chapter 10, beginning at verse 7, God's got a message for Daniel. It's Daniel, do not fear. Let us read from verse 7. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision. And no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground, and suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. I would tremble too, wouldn't you? And he said to me, O oh Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, here's those words from God. He said, do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Did you catch that paragraph, that verse? He says, you're a man greatly beloved of God. From the very first day that you set your heart to understand God, you, God's heard every word you've said. God doesn't forget these things. Daniel was so overwhelmed with sorrow that he was speechless and he retained no strength at the message that was given according to verses 13 through 16. But look down with me in verse 17. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? This is Daniel's response. As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. There's that, there's that wording again. O man, Daniel has sought God. He has wanted God. He has sought to do God's will through all things. He has given it everything he's got. And so God's got a message for him. Oh man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. 
So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Now, I realize it's a little bit different context. It's not necessarily Daniel facing his last day. I understand that. But I still think that it is so important that we don't miss the blessed assurance. We sing the song, Blessed Assurance. I think it's so important we don't miss the blessed assurance in this particular verse, this particular text. Daniel was afraid for a different reason, albeit. But God had a message for him. And he wanted to make sure it was conveyed. Daniel, don't be afraid. From the very first day where you began so sincerely seeking the Lord, your words have been heard. God wanted to reassure Daniel in that case, and the scripture wants to reassure us. God wants to reassure us through the scripture that God could and can be absolutely trusted to hear our prayers, the prayers of those who have humbled and devoted themselves both before and to him, as well as a God who is faithful and always keeps his word. Doesn't matter if it's his word to do something when we're younger, middle-aged, or older. God keeps his word. No, not one of God's promises has ever failed. Not one word. He is the rock that cannot, has not, does not, and will not ever fail. Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. God is the one whom we can always count on to help and uphold us through all things, including old age, I might add. Isaiah 41, 8 through 10. God is the one whom the righteous who fear him never need to doubt or fear. Here's their prayers. Psalm 66, 16 through 20. God is the one who will walk right through the worst of fires alongside of his faithful children. Anybody remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And sometimes the worst of those fires are the fear of death or the fear of, of, of getting to the point where we're approaching that time. <clears throat> David understood that. That's why David wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David said, as I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid. Why? Because God's rod and his staff, they comfort me. I know God. And I don't have to fear anything in the valley of the shadow of death. It is the same reason why the Apostle Paul wrote what he did in some of his last recorded words in 2 Timothy. Please turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul understood this. I've had this conversation with several since I've been here. The toughest form of forgiveness is forgiving yourself. But if ever there was a man who had a lot to forgive himself of, it was he who called himself the worst of sinners. I wonder sometimes if maybe when he was under house arrest, in his ears, maybe in his memory, he could hear the cries of those saints whom he put under house arrest as they were about to be tortured. I wonder if those haunted him at night and kept his eyes open. If ever there was a man who had to forgive himself, 
with Saul of Tarsus. And the only way he could ever do that is to understand the amazing grace of God and the love of God. But he understood. Look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. He understood that God was faithful. He understood that what God had promised he would perform. He understood that God was not going to leave him in his old age. He said in verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering in the time of my departure's hand. Paul said, I know my time here is really short. I know this. But look at the confidence he had. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Brethren, One of the reasons that Jesus Christ came to this earth was to annihilate the fear of death, to show us that we don't have to be afraid if we're in Christ, to show us that as long as we are God's children, we need not fear death. It's one of the main reasons that Jesus Christ came, he went through death, he overcame death, and then he came back and showed us that death is nothing to fear because he'd been through it. Turn to me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Watch this very point unfold from the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Look what it says. <clears throat> Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that's you and me, he himself likewise shared in the same. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. Why did he do that? Why did he share in flesh and blood? Why did he come in the flesh? The rest of that sentence. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. His whole thing in coming was yes to save us by his death, yes to die on a cross for our sins, but as part of that he came in flesh and blood to destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, by going through his own death. God can't die. Part of the equality that Jesus came up when he came to this earth, he gave up the inability to die. He gave up equality without God, did not consider it a thing to be grasped. God came in the flesh in a way that he could die, and he did. Why? And, to re and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Humanity has always feared dying. One of the main reasons Jesus came was to come, face it, go through it, come back from it, and say, see, you don't need to fear this if you walk with me. What an awesome Lord. For indeed, verse 16, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham, that's us. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. I want to show you the illustration of the point just made. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen, I can't say this enough times. One of the main reasons Jesus came was to break the power of death, to break its fear, to break the fear that we have of it, to show us that yes, I can get through it, and if you walk with me, you can get through it too. 
Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast, notice it's conditional, that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Here it comes. Christ died. Christ went through death for our sins. Very important reason why. But he went through death. That thing we feared, humanity's always feared, he went through it, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He went through it, said, see, I'm telling you, you don't have to fear this. I've been there, I've done that, and I'm back here with you. Remember when he came back to his disciples? Matter of fact, Paul makes this big point here in the beginning of this chapter on how Jesus came back just to prove he'd been through it. And that he was seen, verse 5, by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by the apostles. Then Paul says, I saw him too. That's the opening of 1 Corinthians 15. You know the point he's getting to? He wants you to understand that what Jesus has done, that Jesus has the same power to do for you, that death isn't the end, that death isn't to be feared. He tells you what Jesus did in going through it, and then at the end of the chapter, on the other end, he tells you, therefore, for that reason, you need not fear death. Jesus has beat it. Walk with Jesus. Look in verses 54 through 58 at the end of the chapter. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What's his point? First eight verses. Jesus went through it, proved that we don't have to fear it. End of the chapter. He says, you don't have to fear it. Death is swallowed up in victory. We have the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse 58, he says, so you hang on. You be steadfast. You be immovable in your faith because of what's been done for you, because he's shown us it's nothing we need to fear. We need to hang on to him. We need to be steadfast in, in trusting his promises. We don't need to doubt. We don't need to fear. We just need to keep on serving the Lord who's done this for us. He has broken the power of death. You know, Perhaps the reason that some of God's people, and, and there's a multitude of reasons. One is fear of the unknown. We're not told exactly how the whole process works. We're given bits and pieces, and fear of the unknown, perhaps. But maybe one of the reasons that God's people sometimes fear death more than, more than they need to is because they still look at it from a worldly perspective. I want you to really think about this. You know... <clears throat> We try to leave the world behind, but sometimes we get caught up in what the world says. Don't raise your hands, don't nod your head, just let the wheels turn. How many times have we heard somebody say, any day above ground is a good one? 
and we've agreed with them. Like this is the best thing that ever was, this life we live. I once heard a Christian say, any day above ground is a good one. Of course, that's not exactly the way their life looked as they lived it because they had bad days like everybody else. But their point was, the older I get, the longer I live, the better it is. Any day above ground is a good one. Next time I hear somebody say that, and I understand the concept, and I'm not anxious to, you know, I'm not gonna leave tonight unless it's the Lord's will, but I think sometimes we look at it way too much with a worldview. If I didn't have any hope, if I didn't have any hope of eternal life, if I thought that when you died, you just died and you were, you know, dead like Rover, dead all over, and you know, that was it, and that was the end of everything, and let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. If I had no hope in Christ, I would agree, any day above ground's a good one, because after this, there ain't anything. But I know that's not true. I know that's not true because I trust God. And so I hope the next time I hear somebody say, any day above ground is a good one, that my response is more like this. Maybe so. But any day above the reach of sin and Satan will be an even better one. Is that not true? Did you catch the songs we sung tonight? I scribbled them down real quick. Did you catch the songs? We sing that very message. They will, Doug, you're being a little, you know, whatever. No, no, we sing that message. Don't we sing that the very message that, you know, maybe any day above ground is a good one, but it's an even better day or will be an even better day when we get to be in the presence of God where there's no sin, no Satan, no death, no disease, no sickness. Won't that be a better day? We sing that message all the time. Why don't we think like that? The songs we sang tonight. Number 800, home of the soul. Talked about how beautiful heaven was, didn't we? We did. Song number 595, this world is not my home. That's not what we sang. We sang, sing to me of heaven. I scribbled really fast. <laughs> Same difference. Sing to me of heaven. Sing to me about how beautiful it is. We, we know when we sing our songs, when we come together in church, that life is going to be better there than it is here. Remember what the Apostle Paul said about that? Turn to me to Philippians chapter 1. Paul said it. Philippians chapter 1, we don't have to fear death. Philippians 1 verse 21, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. He said, man, I got this desire to, to go be with Jesus. That is so much better. Do you suppose if you'd have said to Paul, hey, Paul, any day above ground's a good one. But he said, well, yeah, that man, you got that right. That's not what he said. He said, I want to be with the Lord. It is so much better. However, nonetheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful. I know you need me here, so even though that's far better, you know what? I'm going to be here for a while, you know, serving you folks because that's where I'm needed. But he understood. What about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 4? Turn there. Look what he says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look in verses 13 through 18.
But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. If we really believe what we say we believe, if we really believe what we sing we believe, if we really believe what we hear from the scriptures, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, that he went through death, and he proved his power to overcome it. And then he will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. That may be us at the end. We don't know when he's coming. But we need not fear because Jesus will do this. For this, verse 15, we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel and trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those saints who die in the Lord are with him, coming back with him, I should say. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Paul wanted to comfort these people and let them know, you know what? You don't need to live in fear. You don't need to fear the fact that Jesus is faithful and he will do what he promised to do when you leave this life. Do you remember what the aged Apostle John wrote to those beleaguered and persecuted Christians who were being butchered on a daily basis in the first few centuries? Romans, uh, Revelation chapter 14, turn there. Look what he says. John's told us, Paul's told us, David has told us. Revelation chapter 14. Look at verse 12. Here, Revelation 14, 12, is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Notice, not any other faith, only the faith of Jesus. Here it is. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. What a comfort to those Christians who were being put to death by the hundreds. Blessed are they who die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. I'm not preaching a message tonight that says, oh, let's all go 100% the other direction and just can't wait to die. That's not my point. But what my point is, is that there are so many things that we get scared of, that we fear, that the Lord came to say, I don't want you to fear this. I don't want you to live in fear. I don't want fear to freeze you. And one of those things is as we get older, He came and broke the power of death. Again, Hebrews 2, go home and read it over and over, memorize it, verses 10 through 18. He came to destroy the power of death that has held mankind captive from the very beginning. He came to go through it and say, see, and he came back and he proved, I, I can get through this and I'll take you through it. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, if we fear God and keep his commandments, We've really nothing else on earth to fear. We do not need to fear. 
man, plan, feast, famine, sin, Satan, nor even the aging process and death itself. We do not need to live in a paralyzed state of fear. That's not what Jesus wants for us. We never need to doubt in our darkest hour the promise of Christ in Luke 12 and verse 32 where he said, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Listen. If God were going to give up on us, fail to keep his word, or did not want to give us a home in heaven, if God was just going to abandon us, especially as we get older and weaker, then he is wise enough to have given up on us long before he ever sent his son and paid such a price for our sins. If God was just going to let go of us and let us slip away, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for us and paid such a price to have us be his in the first place. He would have done it long before he sent his son to die for our sins as an all-out guarantee in blood of his love, his loyalty, and his faithfulness to all who will sincerely seek him. Do not fear if you belong to Jesus Christ. If he is your spiritual sibling, we have nothing on earth to fear as long as we walk with our heavenly sibling. And, and I don't mean to be irreverent when I say sibling, but again, Hebrews says he was made like his brethren in all things. We are sons and daughters of God through his blood, who is the only begotten son of God. He's not ashamed to call us brethren, it says in that passage in Hebrews. Because Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call us brethren. And it doesn't matter our age. Fear not. Fear not. Tonight, if you do not belong to him, if you've never obeyed the gospel and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, or if you're somebody here who's struggling with fear, listen, I don't preach this sermon in any way, shape, or form to say that, you know, we never fear. What I preach this sermon to do is to help us to get over our fears, to help us to see through some of these things that Jesus came to alleviate. And so you may be somebody who struggles. I've struggled in the past with fears of my own. But if you're somebody that struggles with fear, we can pray for you, pray with you. But take this list of references home and understand that God's message is, fear not. I love you. I will not leave you, no matter what. Tonight, if you have a need, will you come to the front as we stand and sing?